You're listening to a Drishti Point podcast. I'm Farin Israeli and I'm here on the phone with Stephen Sadler. Stephen Sadler is a Kundalini master in the lineage of Vetariri Maharishi and Siddha Yoga in the lineage of Sri 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 Shiva Balayogi Maharaj. He is a best-selling author, host of Enlightenment Radio, and founder of the Self-Awareness Institute with students in over 120 countries. The Self-Awareness Institute provides training in self-realization and the enlightenment of the consciousness. I'm really excited to talk to you, Stephen, about the topic of Shaktipat. Yes, Jai Guru. <laughs> so, so um, you know, it may not be the case that many of our listeners are aware of this term, even the term Shakti. So I thought I would start by asking you, what is Shakti and what is Shaktipat? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And I would explain it, it to a Western culture as spirit. It's what animates our own existence, us individually, us collectively, everything and everywhere throughout the universe. So there's lo- something making everything tick. And when we connect with that, there, so there's Shakti running in our body and there's Shakti coming to us when the teacher transmits the energy, because we're all connected to the source. You don't need necessarily go to a guru or someone else to go to source, because you are the source. It's alive within you, animating your existence now. So the connection with the teacher through Shaktipat is so they can deepen that connection, raise the level of their connection, and go deeper into it. Now, when this Shakti moves into your body, we call it Kundalini Shakti, specifically as it moves up the head. What Vatatri Maharishi taught us was learning uh, how to conduct the energy fields that work through our body. There's essentially what's called a toroidal energy field that comes up through the what the yogis call the Shishumna Nadi. We think of it as our own sympathetic nervous system. It's a bundle of nerve fibers at, at one level, at the course physical level, and there's other gradients that uh, work through it and wrap around it, but it moves all the way up into the top of the head like the ends of a frayed rope, and it begins to activate and awaken a, a latent faculty of higher awareness or sixth sense that is, is what we're seeing in the world today. The fact that we study with gurus, the fact that you study with a guru means you come to this point in the evolution of your own consciousness where you now realize there's something to be realized, and you're in the midst of your realization. And when you're with your guru or when you're with someone that's really connected, you, you connect with that shakti or that level of energy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So okay. you've, you've mentioned teacher and guru a lot. So is it, and you also mentioned um, connecting with that source without a teacher. So can you help us understand the purpose and the reason to have a teacher or a guru? And um, yeah, and yeah. What, help us understand that a little better. Yeah, it's the million-dollar question, particularly for people in the West that are kind of guru-adverse, like there's this tendency to want to avoid a guru, or to make yourself um, maybe so uh, mindless that you think the guru is everything in your life. And there's arguments in either way. I'm not making one right or wrong. But I st- just to give you some backstory, I began studying world religions when I was 16. I got a calling to study every religion and with every major teacher in the world. God spoke to me. So for 20 years, I devoted evenings and weekends to studying all the world's teachings and to meet literally dozens of all the world's gurus. 
you know, so in the early days it was Baba Mukhananda and Yogi Bhajan, and, you know, as different decades came and went, there were different gurus. And what I noticed was, first of all, I don't think you can say there's, there's only one way or a best way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all, we're all here learning at different levels, mm-hmm. kind of like kids, spirits at different levels of school. And so we, we will naturally be attracted to what we need at the time we need it. And sometimes we need to move from one phase to another. But as I studied with all these different gurus, I noticed that there were some gurus that had so much energy around their body, I could see it, I could see them glowing, and I got stoned when I was around them, and I thought, wow, I don't have to try to meditate anymore. <laughs> I'm just in their presence, and I've never, this is better than pot, which is the only thing I could relate to when I was 16, and with, say, Mukhananda. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, okay, well, when I'm with Yogi Bhajan, I feel a certain energy, and when I'm with Amaji, I feel a certain energy, and when I'm with Satchitananda, I feel one energy, and Shivananda's got another, and some are really intense and strong, and some are just kind of sweet and light. And, you know, it, I don't know that one was better. Some were more intense, and some took me to places that I can't describe. And I cannot imagine, just, just in working with literally dozens of gurus and interviewing probably thousands of students over the last 40 years. I started when I was 16, and I'm up in my 50s now. So I've been to an awful lot of ashrams and, you know, been doing this for, I've been teaching for 30 years. I've met a lot of students, and what I see is the ones that actually become enlightened all have one thing in common. They open their heart, and they had a teacher take them there, and they let the guru take them into these exalted states, and then there's no them doing it, because that's what we learn in Vedanta. That's what we learn when you study the, the, the Sanatana Dharma, or the Eastern teachings, is that the doer is getting in the way. So there's mm-hmm. something beyond the doer. Even in your meditation, there should be, there's a point where you want to let go of the meditator and allow yourself to be meditated. By the way, as I'm speaking to you, there's energy coming through my voice, so I want you and anyone listening to just observe the energy in your body because you might start to feel kind of energized or buzzed. And that's the intention, that we open our heart. It's not me doing it. It's not you doing it. We're all drawing our life from the same source. We're all connected to a higher power. It's whatever you want to call it that made the big bang boom. You know, I call it God. <clears throat> and I, I tend to to recognize that there's something greater than myself that is orchestrating all life. So the more that we integrate into that or connect with that and understand that and work with that, the more that, that which we might think of as nature or the innate intelligence that is guiding all life, once we align with that, we become aligned with life instead of our mind and our ego pulling us off into chasing after things that aren't ultimately going to make us any happier to the degree we can align with that innate intelligence or that inner knowing. So we, so we all know the answers lie within us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we all know happiness and peace lie within, and we all know that the answers lie within, and, you know, it's all within, within, within. But how on earth do you go within? You know, I, med- I taught meditation for 10 years uh, with three different lineages that I had trained, and I still wasn't in the bliss. I was still kind of going in and out. And so I prayed, and I said, okay, I need a teacher. And next day I'm at the Bodhi Tree Bookstore in L.A., and there's a flyer for the guy that I just had in my vision. His name is Vitatri Maharishi. So as soon as I connected with this guy, part of it was him, and part of it was, was me being open to letting... Uh, a, someone that knew the way guide me instead mm-hmm. of me trying to do it on my own. Because I think with Americans, that's the single biggest reason that they never fully enlightened. They've become awakened, 
And they know they've enlightened a little bit. They know that their consciousness, they know that their spirit, they know they're not just their body and mind, but they're not living in the bliss. They haven't transcended their individual self-identity or the Satchitananda, as you are familiar with. Mm -hmm. So when you're with your guru, and when I've been with mine, and hopefully all of us on this call together, because really the guru is more than a person. Mm -hmm. Different mm -hmm. human beings are instruments that conduct the Shakti. So what we do at the Self-Awareness Institute, Farah, is we specifically work with Shakti in terms of connecting with the life force current. And most of it's over the phone or through Enlightenment Radio on mm -hmm. the Internet. I've not met 99% of my students in person, and that's good because it has nothing to do with me. It's about a connection we make spirit to spirit and soul to soul. So as you're listening, people can put up their hands and like an antenna what I do on my phone calls. As a matter of fact, we're going to do one tomorrow morning. And people will call in from all over the world because we Skype it. It's free. Mm -hmm. And we might have hundreds of people all meditating together and connecting energetically and going into superconscious states and then meeting in spirit and not even being in our bodies anymore, actually living in spirit body. And very few people, you know, people are just starting to, to have these experiences, but we've kind of, uh, we've got a momentum going right now. And so... It's exciting. We live in an age where people are awakening before our very eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot to what you said, but just to um, bring it back to the question, what, I, what I'm hearing about that relationship is that what's most important is to have an open heart and a sense yeah. of oh. surrender to something greater than the I or the doer. It's bhakti. Yeah. You know, it's devotion. It's like how open you are to receive, receive. And putting it in the Christian context, um, it's grace. It's through grace that we enlighten. So what I noticed, particularly with Shakyapat masters, whether it's Muktananda or now his successor, uh, Guru Mai, who's also got a lot of Shakti, and um, another one of my Shivabala Yogi's uh, successors, my counterpart in India, his name is Shivabala Yogi Ananda, Mm -hmm. He took on the name of my guru, and he's got energy. But the whole idea is we're conducting. And what happens is that people have always been conducting. It's like only having heard AM your whole life. We're all tuned into a certain set of frequencies, a bandwidth. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you get tuned into FM. You go, whoa, there's this whole other level of consciousness you can live <laughs> in, a whole other state. And to go around saying, hey, there's a whole other state, most people just look at you kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you talking about, or what are you on? But once you've had a taste of it, you know you can get there, and that's what the guru can give you. They can say, look, let me share with you my love. For me, it's, not a, it's just I'm in a, a divine romance. I feel so much love, I want to share it. And so when people get on the calls, they start to feel it, and they go, wow, I'm starting to feel floaty, or I'm feeling energized, or I'm feeling something's happening. I say, just go into the energy. It's not me doing it. It's not you doing it. We're all plugged into the same source, the same spirit, if you want to call it, is guiding us. Our Atman is merging with our Brahman, is another way to look at it. We're, mm -hmm. we're going beyond time, space, energy, and matter. So at the advanced levels, there's absolutely no doer. You just you move beyond the energy field itself, and there's no experiencer anymore. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where the real realization takes place. Mm -hmm. Now, let's... Um Let's try to understand how do those experiences integrate into the way that we move through our lives on this plane? And is it possible that those, um, when we become instruments 
uh, of that divine energy to be channeled? Is it is it so that we can create an enlightened world? Is it so that we can create healing for others? I mean, how do we connect that with ourselves and this world and other people? Well, that's a great question. And I think if we speak metaphorically, we can say we're doing it for this good cause. But in a sense, we've got to realize that we're not the doers, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that. I think, I think the way to look at it is to, if you just look at nature, if you look at the universe, the, the Big Bang itself, the physical structure of the universe, and realize there's some incredible articulation of energies that are developing the, the molecules and the amino acids and protein chains that create the cell structures and the multi-celled life forms and then multi-sense beings, and we look at our own life. And we can see that, gee, we've been evolving, too, not only as a species over millions of years, but our, our own individual life experience. Everything we're experiencing is teaching us something about ourselves. We're here to learn and grow and evolve, to realize our full potential, to realize ourselves. In fact, our life is an expression of consciousness. It's consciousness being expressed through what we think or say and do, and the body is merely the instrument. And it works to varying degrees. So you, I think a, a helpful metaphor, perhaps, is to think of the body as being cleansed or purified. And, of course, that's what the guru does. The guru is the dispeller of darkness, mm-hmm. one that brings the light so that you're not stuck in your mental programming and you're not just reacting to what's been downloaded through your senses or whatever sense of self your mind has created, like a matrix in your head. There's something outside of the mind and senses that's the observer or the witness or the consciousness. And so the more conscious we become of our own consciousness, the more we evolve this consciousness or sixth sense. It's like we're having a collective awakening as if from a dream. And you and I, your listeners, all of us, those that would be drawn to this conversation, are all part of a collective awakening. And we happen to be at the forefront, like the head of the bell curve, the first few pops in the uh, pan of popcorn to pop, you know, to create that critical mass that can shift the collective consciousness of mankind. Maybe I should take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> I get so excited. It's so I'm passionate about this, as you can see. But look, what, look at your radio station. Look at what your guru's doing. Look at what we're doing at Self-Awareness Institute. And look at all the other forms it's taking. It's an organic growth. The age of Aquarius represents kind of an, an innate intelligence awakening. Mm-hmm. The Kabbalists share the same view of, of this messianic period of Aquarius uh, representing a shift in consciousness where something, what they call the spark of divinity, which is our true nature or spirit, is realized by the brain. So the brain comes into the realization of its true nature as this illuminous spirit itself and not the mind with its proclivities and inclinations to get in trouble and, and disconnect from the source and God. Which, so it's that disconnect from source that creates our pain and suffering, that ignorance of our true nature of ourself. And so the realization of the self is what brings the illumination and the joy and the peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um Tell us a little bit about how you teach and Shaktipat meditation and um, for people who study with you, what does it mean to, I mean, is it a, a practice that you encourage people to do every day? Is it, tell us a little bit more about specifically Shaktipat meditation. Well, there's two things. That's a great question again. 
you're, one is to connect the source of life itself within you to realize I like everyone that I study with to realize I'm not I don't need to be anybody's guru I'm here to share love but if you're trying to get there on your own I don't think you're going to get there as quick you're not going to have as much fun I don't think you're going to go as deep as you could because the very you that's there trying is what's getting in the way from being and if you just connect so what we do in meditation is say sit for an hour every day mm-hmm. and you could just you could just listen to enlightenment radio or download some of my my meditations off the internet I'm at selfawareness.com and uh, or just read a book any way you connect with me and you you hear or you're because it's not an outer thing mm-hmm. 99% of it's an inner thing where you and I spirit spirit soul to soul you just say you know what when this guy's talking I can relate to what he's saying there's something moving through him and there's something moving through me and I'm I look at myself as a personal trainer for your spirit, in a way, to build it up. So my goal is each time we sit is to literally build up the energy field. So we do. We actually, matter of fact, we can do it right now. Let's have some fun. Okay. If everybody were to put their hands up and and um, imagine you're holding a beach ball in front of you, mm-hmm. or maybe just a baseball. So your hands are maybe say four to six inches apart. Mm-hmm. If we wave our hands together, now whenever you bring your hands up, blood flows out of your hand, and that's a sensation. There's always heat being generated by the body in between the hands, so you'll also note a heat wave probably. But more than that, there's an electromagnetic field. It'll be kind of spongy. And then, can you feel that? Most people can feel it. It's almost like when you play with a magnet. There's like a little, like there's something there. Yep, I can feel Uh, it. However faint it might be in the beginning. Good. Now, let's, let's do an experiment. We'll shoot a demonstration in Shaktipat, as a matter of fact. So go ahead and kind of, just brush your hands off in case any energy is built up there. Okay. Uh, and just shake your hands out. And then bring your hands back up again. And let's imagine that those palms are like satellite dishes. Or So your mm-hmm. hands are kind of spread open like catcher's mitt. Mm-hmm. And you want to catch the energy in your hand. And as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm going to send a signal to you. And this is what we do. Uh, this is what all my students all over the world do is they connect on the inner. It can be done anywhere at any time. And then our spirits will just be engaged. And what will happen is it's almost like you're being lifted up into a higher vibration. Now, if you move your hands from side to side or you kind of pat the air in front of you, mm-hmm. and norm- normally when people are doing this, they're doing a third-eye meditation. We can do that if you want. You wouldn't want to do it driving, of course. But you just simply roll your eyes up and gaze between your eyebrows. That's like hitting the on switch on your kundalini. It's how you get your shakti going. Mm-hmm. So a way to engage your own spirit energy or a way to plug into your spirit is simply to roll your eyes up and put your attention between your eyebrows. That engages the pituitary gland, which releases peptides, it lowers the brainwave frequencies, and it also engages the spirit, and then the spirit guides you. And so here's the beauty. Rather than trying to meditate and trying to stop your mind or bore it to death through a mantra or some repetitive breathing or something else that is frankly going to get boring sooner or later, just plug into the source of life itself within you, and you take off like a rocket. So roll your eyes up if you can. Gaze into your third eye, and the divine will do the rest. But then if you want a booster shot, you just put your hands up as you are now. Now, can you feel any energy building up in your hands as we've been talking? Oh, definitely. If, if you move your hands from side to side or in little circles, it, almost, it might feel like uh, mittens of light. We might actually imagine that our hands are glowing like our aura. And now let's go back to the, uh, the hand uh, testing. 
but um, but bring your hands really wide this time, like a wide as a beach ball, maybe you know shoulder width across, and then the palms flat facing each other, and the elbows are bent ninety degrees. And if you just start to squeeze the beach ball, you'll notice that wow, there's a lot more energy between your hands. Probably this is typically what happens is you notice yeah, there's more sponginess. The energy field will typically expand. So if you're able to look at auric fields, and eventually you will as you develop this practice, you'll actually see the life force energy around your body or around someone else's body, around their head more typically. And what will happen is where there might be a kind of a gossamer light of maybe six inches around the average person. After an hour of Shaktipat meditation, you literally see, you know, like a foot and a half or even you know advanced meditators three feet it gets intense and they go out they go out into just first you start going into bliss states so now what we want to do is bring energy into our body you want to welcome it in because remember it's through love the path is of the heart and so we're just saying god i love you it's really just saying i'm open to receive so i always say a prayer i'd like to say lord help me to be a pure vehicle for your love and light and wisdom think through me act in me speak through me i know i'm imperfect but each day you give me for your grace, a chance to expand and grow my capacity to love. And let us share this love with everyone we see everywhere we go all the time, every day. And that's our practice. As we connect to the source of life, we feel that love, we let it in, and then we spread it through what they can say and do. And we share it with everyone we see everywhere we go all the time, every day. That's the practice. That is such yeah. a beautiful practice and prayer. Can you repeat that prayer again a little slower? Sure, I say Lord, and I like to say Lord to make sure my own egoic sense itself, because no matter what realization has occurred, the brain still has patterns in it. So you always, you've always got to watch your brain. It's kind of like my grandmother used to say, you've got to watch the devil, because as soon as you think you don't have to worry, that's when he's going to get you, you know? <laughs> and it's, or in those Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, there's a devil on one side and an angel on the other shoulder, yeah. and, and there's like two little voices, and it's like, if you're not careful... You can always get sucked in. So I like to repeat. I like to condition my brain to be in a bhakti mode by saying, Lord, you know, on my knees. And I do get on my knees. I, Lord, how may I serve thee? Help me to be a pure vehicle for your love and light and wisdom. So think through me. Heaven forbid I have my own thoughts. Who knows where my mind might go? I might have been listening to some crazy TV show or I don't <laughs> simply watch TV, you know, but who knows what you could think of so much ugliness out there. So let's be conscious of what we're thinking and let's be conscious of how conscious we are. This is one of the practices I give my students is by being conscious of how conscious you are, you can evolve your consciousness. Or if you become conscious of what makes you go unconscious, Mm -hmm. then you're less likely to go unconscious when those kind of things come up again. It's like you're watching for it. And if you do get caught, you don't get caught up as much. It doesn't stay as long. It's no big deal because you go, oh, well, I just that's one of my old mental patterns, and I choose to let it go. I move back here. Boom. I've got perspective. Boom. I've got inspiration. Boom. I'm, my heart is open again. Mm -hmm. How'd that happen? Mm -hmm. I, I chose. I practiced connecting. It's the more connected you are, the more connected you are. Mm -hmm. So we just keep connecting, and I'm here to help develop that connection. Now, you're going to be in Vancouver soon, and uh, is it your first time in Vancouver? It's my first time teaching in Vancouver. My parents live in Washington State, so I've crossed your border, and I love the city, but I haven't been there in a decade, so I'm looking forward to coming back. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you hope to, um, what you're hoping for in meeting people of Vancouver and, and part of what you will teach in Vancouver. Well, I'm going to be at three places. I'll be at the Peace Center, I'll be at Banyan Books, and I'll be at the Ayurvedic Convention. That was my original reason for being up there. Mm-hmm. And one of, our new, one of our new teachers, Garner, who I think you've met, he's mm-hmm. starting to work with people up there. So we want people to know what we can do. My sense is, is Vancouver is really one of the more spiritual places. This is not a place where there's for beginners. These are people that have already been around the block a few times spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I have a sense there's a lot of people that would like to say, well, how can I get to that next state where I'm in bliss all the time? Because mm-hmm. there's people that kind of been there, done that. They know this stuff. They don't really need a lecture on Vedanta, although we do that mm-hmm. for fun. <laughs> what, and, and they already, you know, they already, they can do the warrior poses and it's probably better than me. And, you know, okay. But the point is, are you in bliss? If you're not in bliss, then just be quiet. Just stop asking like you already know it all. Just be quiet and sit and feel this out and see if you can get really high off this. I just want to share love. That's all it is. I think there'll be some people that'll be ready to like be immersed in, in love. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a, a movement. Just like you know, when you're around your guru, there's just love. It's intoxicating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's undescribable. Well, that's the bhakti shakti. You know. <laughs> I can feel your guru shakti when you. I hadn't heard of him before, but through you, I can feel a connection. And then when I when I looked him up on the internet and I saw his face, I could feel the energy. Oh yeah, you know, you know I I personally love to to um, to hear stories of people's personal connection to their gurus or their teachers, however yeah. people describe it. And I'm hoping that my, you might be able to share a little bit of your personal experience. Oh yes. I have a great story. Well, my I had two. I really had one root guru. You know, mm-hmm. I had many gurus. Learned this and that from Vitatri was the man I apprenticed with. But it was Shiva Bala Yogi Maharaj. This is a guy that spent eight years meditating, twenty-three hours a day, another four years sitting twelve. So he completed um, all uh, twelve years of yoga tapas. Mm-hmm. For, uh, and so he was a pilgrimage site. In all my guru hopping through India, I'd never met a guru with this much shakti. He calibrates in the mid-800s, which is, he was the highest calibrated guru on the planet when he was alive. So I went over there. He, he knew I was coming. He had someone send for me and get me. That's how, I, that's how I met him. And he didn't tell me. He says, I'm going to give you initiation. And I said, what? You know, I didn't go to saying, hey, I came to get your initiation. He tells me, I'm going to initiate you. I said, okay, well, I didn't come there to do that. He wasn't being, he was helping me, you know. He sat me down, and immediately, I'm starting eight hours a day, boom. And then he worked it to 12 hours a day, boom. And then finally, to complete my tapas, we ended up sitting together 23 hours a day for weeks on end, over 40 days in a row, sitting 23 hours a day. And what happens is it's the ultimate immersion with your guru. Till there is no you, there is no he, there is just one. And it's beyond all words. And it was after that that uh, he asked me to give the Shakti pot and take it to the West. And then he died. He went into Maha Samadhi. So I had actually left, and, and I had my own consulting firm. I used to be an economist and a, and a fund advisor. And I left everything. I got rid of everything I owned, and I just said, okay, I'm going. And everyone thought I was absolutely crazy, like, what? You're going to India? What are you thinking? 
I said, what are you going to do? What, what, what about money? What about, I said, I don't care about money. You just take it. Here's my car. I gave away my car. Just, I'm gone. My poor mother. When are you coming back? I don't know. Maybe never. But my guru did a funny thing. After all this uh, energy, just sitting, energy was so intense. I, I, and I can't tell you all the miracles. I mean, he literally materialized in the room. We traveled to other worlds. I mean, things that, if you've ever read... Paramahansa Yogananda's yes. autobiography of yes. a yogi. You I know, was then just you thinking know. of that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I studied with Lahiri Mahasai's great-grandson. I'm a Kriya teacher. I taught... Lahiri Mahasai has a great-grandson in Varanasi, India. So mm-hmm. we did Kriyas together. And I've... Before uh, dozens of other people, Yukteswar materialized in an astral body in the same way that Captain Kirk and Spock would get onto their starship or off... Here's this astral body showing up, and it's Yukteswar. And people don't believe this stuff happens. Wow, but it, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, that so, is unbelievable. Yeah, so we, we like, this is where we like to go. We like to go to other universes and dimensions. And, but there's a place beyond all that. See, if there's anything of phenomena, and if there's any experience or, you're still in the realm of the mind. There's still another place to go beyond all of that. Like they say, neti neti, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't you don't you don't want to get it caught up in the states. It's not just about having your bhava samadhi and saying, okay, I experienced the bliss. But if you're not experiencing the bliss, you're not near enlightenment. You know, that's the thing. This is a sign that you're getting there. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize that. They kind of stay stuck in there. Well, I already know. And I go, no, you have no idea. Really, take it from me. <laughs> the bliss is, work a little hard to get the bliss you'll love it <laughs> <laughs> you're a delight um it's been so much fun uh, i i so love the um that story and i i'm sure there's a whole book that you could write just about that experience i hope that someday there will be a book yes well i've got nine books out by the way just look up my name on amazon two were bestsellers and uh, my latest book is The Theory of Existence and the Science of Consciousness. And any book you want, I'll send you one. I wrote a book on world religions. That was my first book, mm-hmm. which is a bestseller. That's how I ended up kind of getting to know all the different gurus. And, you know, what's Zen? What's TM? I first started with TM. Mm-hmm. And They're all good. Mm-hmm. And as we start to draw the interview to a close, is there anything that you feel guided or inspired to say to our listeners to encourage them to come to the Vancouver talks or to um... yeah mm-hmm. let's create a love vortex I mean if if you can get buzzed off this meditation why not give it a try <laughs> even if even if you've already got a meditation or a guru I don't care I'm not trying to I'm not trying to control or grab anybody I just want to share the experience with people because some mm-hmm. people have never really gotten off like that through mm-hmm. their meditation if you're doing Vipassana, for instance, which I did for years, you may not have these kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't need them or want them. That's fine. But for those people that are curious, here's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. You know, I always feel that when uh, when you have a connection to a teacher or guru, that every teacher you can feel... Um, you can feel the love of your own teacher come through. So it's, it's so... Yeah. I, I love going to... To all kinds of teachings because I get so much out of it. Well, the Baba, you know, the Baba G is in all those that have held the space to bring this light to others. 
Mm-hmm. So you're, I can bow to your guru as easily as I would bow to you. Or if I went to my counterpart, I'd see he's the same light as me. There's no higher or lesser. Or mm-hmm. there, you know, th- this is the as you know the true meaning of Namaste, where we recognize the light in each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The light in you, Pharaoh. Well, it's been, <laughs> it's been so great um, connecting with you through cyberspace, and uh, yeah. I'm so looking forward to meeting you in person and and being there in one of your Shaktipat meditations and um, public oh, I talks. Love it. Yeah, and uh, we'll do all that we can to support and let people know about it and uh, start to uh, plant the seeds for a love vortex here in Vancouver. Super. <laughs> let, let me know if there's any book you want, and I'll bring one up for you. Oh, I will definitely take you up on that offer, definitely. Yeah. Thanks thank, for having me on your show. Thank you this so much. Cool. God bless you. Likewise. God bless you, Stephen. It's, it's wonderful to, to connect. <laughs>